Dear Sufferers with Jesus, fewer than two-thirds of Americans now classify themselves as Christians. In, that's a short time ago, just a decade ago, there were three-quarters of Americans that classified themselves as Christians. The way it's going, in another generation, we Christians will be in the minority. And that's the way it already is for our young people, among their peers. And yet, we're not going to receive any pity from the non-Christians in our culture. They don't have a favorable view of us. We may think of ourselves as loving, lovable, and caring, but they will classify us as racist, misogynist, invasive. And those are just the stats. What about the stories? A middle schooler who is shamed by his teacher because he says in class that he believes that God created the universe. There is the woman who was fired from her job because she won't go along with the woke ideology in the workplace. There are the students and the teachers that were targeted by the shooter specifically because they are Christians. You know those stories and you know other stories. And yet we haven't mentioned the funny looks, the barbed comments, the cold shoulders that we feel from unbelievers toward us as Christians. We poor Christians. <clears throat> Should we look for pity? Because we're not going to get any from our world. Most people are happy to see that Christians are losing any kind of influence that we might have had in our culture. They are happy to see us as Christians put back in our place. We poor Christians. Is that what we should say? Is that what Jesus would say? Jesus sure, certainly made a sympathetic figure on Good Friday. Maybe a better word than sympathetic would be pathetic. His back is shredded from the scourging. His skull has dried blood on it from the crown of thorns that has been pushed into his skull. His lips are cracked and bleeding. His cheeks are purple and bruised from the slaps and the punches from the Roman soldiers, Herod's soldiers, and the Jewish religious leaders. After a night without sleep, now he is, his day is filled with constant abuse. He is exhausted, and so he crumbles on the way to the cross under the weight of the cross beam, so much so that... The Roman soldiers have to go and conscript a stranger from the crowd to carry the crossbeam the rest of the way. No wonder the women mourned and wailed. This group of people that were following Jesus could very well have been followers, believers in Jesus, or they could just be concerned citizens that saw a fellow citizen that was being treated so brutally. But what does Jesus say? Don't cry for me. Don't have sympathy for me. Rather have sympathy for yourselves and for your children. In fact, just five days earlier, Jesus had mourned for the people of Jerusalem because he saw that they had rejected him as their Messiah and they were, they were thereby bringing judgment upon themselves from God. And so he says to them, don't pity myself, pity yourselves, your women, and the children, and the fathers. He says, 
Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Be sure of this. The days are coming when they will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never gave birth and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. History records that just a generation later, the Roman soldiers did horrific things to the people of Jerusalem, to the city of Jerusalem. They, left, they did not leave a single stone overturned of the temple. They did such terrible things. They're too terrible to recount in this sermon. And then Jesus follows that up with a warning that is a proverb. He says, if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? He seems to be saying that if these things are happening when the sinless Son of God is there among them and yet he is tortured and put to death, then what will happen when the tree is dry, when he is gone and all that's left are sinners? Let's apply this to ourselves. If Jesus, the sinless Son of God, was put on trial and he had to suffer, then why should we be surprised when we find ourselves put on trial and we are called to suffer. When we hear about the decline of Christianity in our nation, when we feel that our society is moving away from godly values, or when we feel the sting of rejection and mockery upon ourselves, we may think to ourselves, we poor Christians. We might think that we are the victims and that we should be looking for sympathy. And yet, if we do that, then we are having the wrong perspective. We need to look at the big picture. Yes, right now we may be suffering, and yet the kind of suffering we are enduring right now in America is really pretty new for Christians. And yet, the kind of suffering that we're feeling has been felt by Christians for generations from the beginning of the Christian church throughout the world. The comfort that we have felt for the past few centuries in America is certainly not the norm. More importantly, when we have a woe-is-me mentality, that means that we are really self-centered. And that can lead us to some pretty awful things to complain, to lash out, to circle the wagons and only be protective of ourselves and not reaching out to other people. It can cause us to look to flawed leaders and institutions for help instead of trusting in the Lord of the church for help. When did God ever call for us to play the victim? Self-pity is the opposite of what we see Jesus here in this text. He has pity. His pity, though, is not for himself. It is for the women. It is for their children, for their husbands, for all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem who will suffer so much. Of course, that's not the full extent of his pity either. Follow with Jesus on his stumbling steps to the hill of Golgotha. There you see him laid upon the cross and the soldiers nail his hands and feet to that cross. As he is lifted up, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them. Forgive who? Forgive the disciples? Forgive the women? No, forgive these very same Roman soldiers that have just nailed his flesh to that Roman beam. Jesus' words reveal a heart that is focused 
not on self, but is focused on others. He is thinking about the families of Israel, those that have been lied to and trapped in false teachings for generations. He is thinking about the soldiers who have no idea that they are crucifying the very Son of God. He's also thinking about you and me. If Jesus had pitied himself, well, he certainly could have come down off of the cross. But he doesn't because he has pity for wretched sinners like you and me. Because he knows that we are facing an eternal destruction that is far worse than anything that the Roman soldiers could ever meet out. We deserve to face God's wrath on the last day where no mountain could ever fall on us and hide us from that wrath. And yet Jesus has sympathy for us. Relish that for a moment. Jesus' heart, the heart of the very Son of God goes out to you. He doesn't just weep for you though. He took God's punishment for you. He died for you. You cannot call on the mountains on the last day to cover you. But you can call on Jesus right now to have his divinely human blood fall on you and cover you from God's wrath. On this day when you have come forward to place your sign of the cross in ashes on the banner, it is a reminder that Jesus replaces those ashen crosses with a crown of beauty. He takes, as your, takes your mourning and your repentance over sins and he replaces that with the joy of gladness. Through all of the pain and fatigue and insults on, God, on Good Friday, you were on the Son of God's mind. Jesus certainly deserves our sympathy. His suffering was immense. There, there was certainly a reason why those women were moved to mourn and wail at the simple sight of him. That a man in his prime like Jesus was would buckle under the weight of a crossbeam means that he had suffered horribly up to that point and he would suffer so much more. But Jesus does not want our sympathy. All he desires from us is our faith. But we can certainly look for sympathy from Jesus because Jesus knows our pain. He felt it. He can sympathize with us in every one of our weaknesses. And his heart still goes out to us when we suffer, especially when we suffer in his name. But Jesus does not want us to wallow in our self-pity. He wants us to look past ourselves and look to have sympathy on others. There are two groups of people that we look to to help. We first of all look in sympathy toward our Christian brothers and sisters who are suffering. And there might be our brothers and sisters right here in our own congregation. Pray for them. Reach out to them. Talk to them. Hold their hands, hug them, share the gospel promises of Jesus with them. But then also reach out to those brothers and sisters around the world that you don't know. And maybe the only thing you can do for them is to pray for them. There's another group of people to have sympathy on. That's a little bit harder group, and it's those who are our enemies. 
Because there is a destruction coming upon this world that those in our world cannot fathom. It is a judgment that is far worse than anything from the Roman soldiers. And the people of this world don't even know it's coming. And yet, they are like those Roman soldiers and like those Jewish religious leaders. They have put God on trial. They have no idea what they're doing. They are fighting against outdated values and old-fashioned ideas. At least that's their thinking. They feel that they are fighting for freedom. But really what they're fighting for is to free sinful natures. And all that's going to do is cause unrestrained evil in our world. They are fighting against the Son of God who came to free us from sin and Satan and unrestrained evil. So what if we thought of these people not as our enemies or obstacles, but rather as fellow sinners who have been duped by the lies of Satan and they are doing his bidding without even realizing it? We can have pity on them. We can have sympathy for them. That means that we can pray for them, reach out to them, hold their hands, give them hugs, talk to them, share the gospel promises with them, both God's justice and God's love. Share with them a Savior who went to the cross because he had unending sympathy for them. So in other words, let's have sympathy for others. Poor Christians. Is that what we should say? What would Jesus say about us? We don't have to think about what he would say. We know what he would say. We know what he did say on a different, in a different sermon three years earlier on a different mountain when he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are we. Happy are we when we suffer with Jesus. When the world treats us like it treated Jesus, we know that the Father is seeing us like he saw the Son, righteous and royal. Pity? No. Why would we want pity? Because we have God's kingdom. Amen.